This is RCT number 11, Creator of Heaven and Earth. We are in the Roman Catechism of Trent, RCT, page 27 to 31. This is part one of the RCT, the Creed, Article 1, the last phrase. God give you his peace. In nomine Patris, Affiliate, Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, Come dwell in us, cleanse us, and save us, you who are all good. Amen. In nomine Patris, Affiliate, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. The Creator. The necessity of having previously imparted to the faithful a knowledge of the omnipotence of God will appear from what we are now about to explain with regard to the creation of the world. The wondrous production of so stupendous a work is more easily believed when all doubt concerning the immense power of the Creator has been removed. For God formed the world not from materials of any sort, but created it from nothing, and that not by constraint or necessity, but spontaneously and of his own free will. Nor was he impelled to create by any other cause than a desire to communicate his goodness to creatures. Being essentially happy in himself, he stands not in need of anything. As David expresses it, I have said to the Lord, Thou art my God, for thou hast no need of my goods. Psalm 15, 2. As it was, his own goodness that influenced him when he did all things whatsoever he would, so in the work of creation he followed no external form or model, but contemplating and, and as it were imitating the universal model contained in the divine intelligence, the supreme architect, with infinite wisdom and power, attributes peculiar to the divinity, created all things in the beginning, he spoke and they were made, he commanded and they were created, Psalm 32, verse 9. Me here? You know, many atheists today, they make fun of Christians saying things like, oh, so God just created most of humanity just to send them to hell. They say blasphemous things like, oh, so he's just like a kid burning ants just for the fun of sending people to hell. Is that why he created everybody? Well, we heard today that God did not have to make any of creation. This is our faith. God did not have to make any of creation visible or invisible. We heard exactly why he made the world, and it's this. He was not impelled to create by any other cause than a desire to communicate his goodness to creatures. Isn't that beautiful? That's why we're all here. Just God's desire to communicate his goodness to creatures. So that is the only reason you or I exist. Whether we consider humanity before the fall or after the fall, God only made us to create his goodness to creatures. That's the same with Angels and hummingbirds and supernovas, all these things exist not because God needed men or women or angels or hummingbirds or supernovas, but because the Blessed Trinity wanted to share its glory with countless amounts of creatures. So it's pure sharing. It's not necessity. It's the overflowing of God's love. And as we heard in the Catechism today, being essentially happy in himself, he stands not in need of anything. What that means is God was essentially happy in himself in eternity before, if we can even use the word before, uh, before creation, um, the Blessed Trinity was contemplating the Blessed Trinity quite good enough. Why did he create things? To share, to share his glory. Now, it, the atheists do make fun of Christians for how many people many traditional Catholics say are going to hell, and that's true. But what most atheists or no atheists today understand they don't understand that we are in a just exile from God because of our rebellion against him that happened through Adam and Eve, our first parents. And God 
then, and then even more through his son, gave everything he could, that is his own son in reparation for our sins, to return to him. So did you catch that? We are in exile, and then we are on a pilgrimage to return to God. He's given us all the tools to return to God, to his goodness. He didn't want us to fall. He didn't want us to rebel, but we did. We're going to talk a little bit later why the angels didn't get a second chance, and we did. So this life on earth, it is only a return to God. And Christ has won for us enough grace on the cross, which is transmitted to the sacraments, to each one of us to return to God. But we have to be holy to re-enter the presence of God. As our first parents were in original justice and lost it, we must, if we're baptized and in living and sanctifying grace, we must persevere in grace and then we'll not only return to God as our first fathers did, but actually a higher state, as you know, which is, please God, going to be the beatific vision for everyone listening to this podcast. Okay, then why do people go to hell? Well, because each of, each one of us has free will, and some, if you can believe it, some people actually cherish their independence more than the very goodness of God, that goodness that created us and redeemed us on the cross of Jesus Christ, that goodness that made angels and hummingbirds and supernovas. Some people who go to hell, everyone who goes to hell, essentially cherishes their independence more than the goodness of God that we hear described in today's catechism on creation. So what we have to realize is that God's goodness even made our freedom because it is in freedom that we live in God's image and likeness. That's why we have to be so careful not to misuse freedom. So we have to see that all of creation is coming not from God wanting to like control us, as these atheists say, like a kid with a bunch of ants, not a despot. God created us in goodness. Um, he chose not to withhold his glory from trillions of creatures, as the Catechism said today, contemplating, as it were imitating, the universal model contained in the divine intelligence, the supreme architect with infinite wisdom and power created us. The Catechism again of heaven and earth. The words heaven and earth include all things which the heavens and the earth contain. For besides the heavens, which the prophet has called the works of his fingers, Psalm 8.4, he also gave to the sun its brilliancy and to the moon and stars their beauty, and that they might be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, Genesis 1.14. He so ordered the celestial bodies in a certain and uniform course, that nothing varies more than their continual revolution, while nothing is more fixed than their variety. The creation of the world of spirits. Moreover, he created out of nothing the spiritual world and angels innumerable to serve and minister to him, and these he enriched and adorned with the admirable gifts of his grace and power. That the devil and the other rebel angels were gifted from the beginning of their creation with grace clearly follows from these words of the sacred scriptures. He, the devil, stood not in truth, John 8, 44. On this subject, St. Augustine says, In creating the angels, God endowed them with good will, that is, with pure love, that they might adhere to him, giving them existence and adorning them with grace at one and the same time. Hence, we are to believe that the holy angels were never without good will, that is, the love of God. As to their knowledge, we have this testimony of Holy Scripture. Thou, my Lord, O King, art wise, according to the wisdom of an angel, of God to understand all things upon earth, 2 Kings 14.20. Finally, the inspired David ascribes power to them, saying that they are mighty in strength and execute his word, Psalm 102, verse 20, 
and on this account they are often called in Scripture the powers and the armies of the Lord. But although they were all endowed with celestial gifts, very many, having rebelled against God, their Father and Creator, were hurled from those high mansions of bliss and shut up in the darkest dungeon of earth, there to suffer for eternity the punishment of their pride. Speaking of them, the Prince of the Apostles says, God spared not the angels that sinned, but delivered them, drawn by infernal ropes to the lower hell unto torments to be reserved unto judgment. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Me again. So notice that all the angels were given this probationary period to obey a task given them by God. And if they obeyed, they passed and they stayed in heaven. And if they disobeyed, they were cast to earth and eventually hell. Every demon, remember this, folks, every demon was once an angel. Demons still have an angelic nature, but they live in total rebellion and hatred of God. I think it's the book of the Apocalypse that says one-third of all angels fell. So that means one-third of all of creation with an angelic nature is a demon. But the good news is that two-thirds of the angels are still angels. They are on God's side, which means if we are on God's side, then... We're also on the side of two-thirds of the angels. Very great news. That's very encouraging news, in fact, in all the spiritual warfare that we're seeing. So if all these demons, one-third of, the, one-third of the angels fell and became demons, why didn't they get a second chance and humans do? Father Ripperger says frequently, it's because we humans are stupid. And I think he's absolutely right. But, you know, apparently the demons, also according to Father Ripperger, the demons would make that bad decision again, even from their point of view of all the horrors of hell, so great is their rebellion against God. May we never join them there. Okay, back to the Roman Catechism of Trent on the formation of the universe. The earth also God commanded to stand in the midst of the world, rooted in its own foundation, and made the mountains ascend and the plains descend into the place which he had founded for them. That the waters should not inundate the earth, he set a bound which they shall not pass over. Neither shall they return to cover the earth. Psalm 103, verse 5 and 8 and 9. He next not only clothed and adorned it with trees and every variety of plant and flower, but filled it, as he had already filled the air and water with innumerable kinds of living creatures. Me again. So, you know, again, many atheists, they like to set up a straw man explanation of God and knock it over. So what they try to picture is like big hands making these plants or big hands making supernovas. No, God can use genetics in all of the creation of these different plants and animals. We, of course, as traditional Catholics, reject the notion of evolution. One, because it's preposterous scientifically, and two, because it does go against um, all the creation narratives. However, that doesn't mean that we as traditional Catholics have to reject things like genetics because God can and does use the glories of the intricacies of genetics in the creation of the material universe. Catechism again, production of man. Lastly, he formed man from the slime of the earth, so created and constituted in body as to be immortal and impassable, that means not sufferable, not, however, by the strength of nature, but by the bounty of God. Man's soul he created to his own image and likeness, gifted him with free will and tempered all his motions and appetites so as to be subject to them at all times to the dictates of reason. He then added the admirable gift of original righteousness and next gave him dominion over all other animals. By referring to the sacred history of Genesis, 
The pastor will easily make himself familiar with these things for the instruction of the faithful. Of all things visible and invisible. What we have said, then, of the creation of the universe is to be understood as conveyed by the words heaven and earth, and is thus briefly set forth by the prophet. Thine are the heavens, and thine is the earth. The world and the fullness thereof thou hast founded. Psalm 88, verse 12. Still more briefly, the fathers of the Council of Nicaea express this truth by adding in their creed these words, of all things visible and invisible. Whatever exists in the universe, whatever we confess to have been created by God, either falls under the senses and is included in the word visible, or is an object of mental perception and intelligence and is expressed by the word invisible. Me again here. So obviously, the number one thing we should think of when we think of the creation of the world invisible is the angels, the world of spirits. It seems to imply there's uh, other things there. We'll maybe learn later in the catechism because I don't know what those things are. But I do want to talk about humans. And just because, again, the big topic nowadays is salvation. You know, last time we talked about why most Catholics think everyone is saved. And I gave some reasons on how, well... Unfortunately, most Catholics today, they mistake God for their emotions. Even most Catholics today, they, well, they rightly believe in God's infinite mercy. That's great. But then they turn around and they think that we traditional Catholics believe only in God's infinite justice, not his infinite mercy. And then they say, that's the reason why we, the mean trads, think everyone's going to hell. Okay, first of all, we don't think everyone's going to hell. Secondly, Traditionalists have experienced God's mercy as much as anyone else. I've talked to so many non-sheltered traditionalists who have had extremely radical conversions from lifestyles that many neocons can't even imagine. Traditionalists very much believe in God's infinite mercy. But here's the thing. We also believe in God's infinite holiness, that holiness without which no one will see God as St. Paul wrote. You see, I believe in God's infinite mercy but then many people out there who call us traditionalist names, they say things like, you're just Jansenist, or you're rigorist, or you're Pelagian. But do they really understand nothing unclean will enter heaven, as it says in the book of the Apocalypse? And that is why we need the blood of Jesus to enter heaven, not just say, doing your best at following your conscience, like modernists say. Thirdly, people forget this. Everyone has to repent and receive God's mercy in baptism and or confession to be made holy, to enter into the presence of holiness, infinite holiness. Now, there might be exceptions, very few exceptions like perfect contrition to this, but even then, perfect contrition is the Blessed Trinity communicating the grace of Jesus Christ for someone to be saved, not by their works, but by grace. Because again, nothing unclean will enter heaven, and we are all born in original sin, which is felt, which is filth. So here's my challenge to the Catholics who make fun of traditionalists. I believe in God's infinite mercy, but do you believe in God's infinite holiness? You see, when you meditate on God's holiness and how many people today openly offend God with absolutely no signs of repentance, then can you understand why tradition holds that even with God offering all of humanity as mercy on the cross, some people will still spit in his face, unfortunately. So we have to use basic theological common sense and see that mortal sin is not compatible for an eternity with God's spotless and infinite holiness. That's why he's given us his mercy. In fact, sin isn't even compatible in eternity with his infinite love. God respects our freedom, 
But every mortal sin, not just our emotions on our deathbed, every mortal sin is a decision not to enter into the holiness of God. And then we will finish with two more paragraphs from the Catechism itself today. God preserves, rules, and moves all created things. We are not, however, says the Catechism, to understand that God is in such ways the creator and maker of all things that his works, when once created and finished, could thereafter continue to exist unsupported by his omnipotence. For as all things derive existence from the creator's supreme power, wisdom, and goodness, so unless preserved continually by his providence and by the same power which produced them, they would instantly return into their nothingness. This the scriptures declare when they say, How could anything endure if you wouldst not or be preserved if not called by thee? Wisdom 11.26 Not only does God protect and govern all things by his providence, but he also, by an internal power, impels to motion and action whatever it moves and acts, and in this, and this in such a manner that Although he excludes not, he yet precedes the agency of secondary causes. For his invisible influence extends to all things, and, as the wise man says, reaches from end to end mightily, and ordereth all things sweetly. Wisdom chapter 8, verse 1. This is the reason why the apostle, announcing to the Athenians the God whom not knowing they adored, said, He is not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and are. Acts 17, verses 27 to 28. Creation is the work of the three persons. Let so much suffice for the explanation of the first article of the Creed. It may not be superfluous, however, to add that creation is the common work of the three persons of the Holy and Undivided Trinity, of the Father, whom, according to the doctrine of the Apostles, we here declare to be creator of heaven and earth, and of the Son, of whom the Scripture says all things are made by him, John 1, 3, and of the Holy Ghost, by whom it is written, the Spirit of God moved over the waters, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and again, by the word of the Lord the heavens were established, and all the power of them by the Spirit of his mouth, Psalm 32, 6. Please say an Our Father for me, et benedictio Deum omnipotentis, pacis et filii et spiritus sancti descendet super vos et maniat semper, Amen.